This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tope Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. And it is episode 213, which is appropriate, Will, the number 13. I feel like I've had some pretty bad luck in the last few days. Well, that means that every episode should be uh, episode 13, because pretty much every time <laughs> that we uh, try to record an episode of this, it seems like we are cursed by some black cat walking across our path. Yeah, well, it's just today that there's an ongoing issue we haven't talked about where the last, say, two months when we hook up via Skype, it is a flip of the coin whether or not my headphones will work or not. Because sometimes you guys will pop up on my Skype and I'll start talking and you can't hear me. And then it becomes another 10 to 15 minute process to swap headphones, switch to Bluetooth, get away from cables to go back. And I, look, I know that we are technically not very smart, but I feel I know how to plug in headphones, yet that seems to not work when we try and do this show. Yeah, I know that you confidently say that you feel like you can plug in headphones, but all evidence uh, seems to lead to the contrary, (laughs) that you can't plug in headphones or that somehow your computer is now rejecting headphones. I think my computer is rejecting headphones and I think it's part of that Apple planned obsolescence thing because this is two and a half, almost three years old, my laptop, so I still have the plug-in headphone and I know that, like Gemma got the latest Apple a month ago and there's no holes in it like it's holeless like to plug a usb in, you've got to get an adapter for usb there's no headphone board it's like pretty soon computers are just going to be like blank slate you're just going to get like a lump of slate you won't even know where the fucking screen is you wish that you um you know could sort of make a protest against it like for a mm. while when i got my new iphone um, because it now doesn't have the uh, you know adapter for the old headphones. I got like the adapter so I could still plug in my corded headphones. But what I realized is when I put it in my pocket, just the way that it's set up, it would just skip between podcasts or it would like jump from one thing to the other when like, and I was just like, eventually I just had to give in and go and buy an expensive pair of wireless fucking headphones and now <laughs> it works properly. But I was like, fuck, you got me. You got me. <laughs> like as I was doing it, I was like, nah, you literally built in a thing that meant that I, you told me that I could keep doing my old thing, but you made it so yeah. difficult for me to keep doing my old thing that eventually I needed to relent and just get a new thing. It's like the equivalent of Apple is the three-year-old who pretends to be asleep, so you have to carry it up the stairs. It's like, look, I know you can walk. Walking up the stairs has been fine every other time, but no, no, you're just going to not work until I have to carry you up the stairs. And, and eventually it's just easier to give in. Yeah. That's why I'd be a terrible yeah. parent, because eventually I would just give in. I'll be like, okay, well, I guess we'll find room for a pony. I have a basket behind me uh, in my workstation that is filled with 
generations of cords and adapters like Apple chargers, headphone adapters, everything that I just don't know what do I do with this? Like, where does this go? I'll go to office works and I'll put my batteries in the battery bin. I'll put my printer cartridges in the printer bin, but my unwanted cables still have no home. Well, um, we haven't really talked about this on the podcast, but I'm, uh, giving up my U S, um, you know, I'm giving up my U S apartment. And so it's getting packed up at the moment. And, mm. uh, it's being packed up by, you know, a friend of ours who is staying there and helping, pack it all up and so eventually i get messages from her every now and again going hey i found this like box full of all these cords you know do you need these cords and i was like i wouldn't even know what the cords go on <laughs> if they're in a box in the cupboard i kept them in case at some stage i needed those cords but i've clearly never needed the cords and now the cords i can't remember what the cords came with what they're meant to go with i would have to literally just get the cords out go around the house and start plugging them into things to see what they actually were for and I was just like nah I think I feel like I feel like that's just all the, I, I wonder if there's some sort of place where you can recycle those things like whether it's worth you know giving them to someone who can like you know you know I don't know distribute cords to kids who can't afford cords well I do know there is a place in Sydney it's a props house essentially a props house and kind of like a modern art workshop where you can take your old gear and they'll either use it for like productions that, you know, just say it's set in the eighties or they need a specific look or whatever, or they'll use the bits and pieces, you know, to give to artists who are doing sculpture and stuff, doing modern sculpture, that kind of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> there is mine a place would, to mine would be if any of your period pieces were set three years ago when all that technology <laughs> still works. <laughs> yeah. If you were going to set something in 2015, I have a box full of technology for you. Specifically. Yeah, or if your sculpture period that you really like to draw from as an artist is 2015 to 2016, then I have some materials for you. <laughs> now, I started off by saying uh, I've had a run of bad luck. Firstly, uh, uh, Junior uh, went in for surgery on Friday. Uh, basically, this is a very eastern suburbs thing. Um, our dog had liposuction. <laughs> Just just uh, some filler in the face. He's getting old, you know. Junior yeah. is, is becoming a senior. And so he just, you know, he was just like, Dad, 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 I need some filler. I need some filler. Yeah. I need some filler. Well, you know what you know what Sydney's like? It's all about glamour. It's all about how you look. When I'd take him for a walk along the cliffs and he's passing all those bull mastiffs are all pumped up, obviously, you know, been at the dog park first thing in the morning, chasing frisbees and stuff. And like Junior's like, I've got to keep up <laughs> with all these young pups. Yeah, Junior's like, uh, I just needed uh, you to get my lipstick out so I can uh, no not not that not my lipstick no I need some actual lipstick before I go out of the house I'm not going out of the house looking like this uh no so as dogs get older uh I'm a first-time dog owner so all this is is new for me and junior uh knock on wood has been without major kind of uh illness his entire life he's turns 14 next month so he's been pretty healthy dog um but they get these fatty deposits as they get older. And so you've got to get them tested because you want to make sure it's not cancer or anything. So all these were benign, just fat. Um, but he also needed to get his teeth cleaned and his back has been making this funny kind of noise. So he said, well, why don't we just do the whole, if we're going to pay an, an anaesthetist, let's just get it all done um, for the low, low price of $10 million. <laughs> My God. I mean, I know you've, you've paid for quite a few pet surgeries, but it is one of those things where you're like, how much do I love my dog? <laughs> Well, now you can put a price on it. 
Like yeah. that's that's the thing that I realized is I never imagined previously that there was a price that you could put on it, but it turns out that there is. Um, yeah, it's um, uh, look. I mean, it's horribly expensive. You know, animal. Um, maintenance in general and as they get older and sicker but you know it's one of those things also where you're like well what are we going to do i guess we, mm. you know we'll just do it we'll just get the yeah. surgery we'll get it done and i you know i can uh, uh sympathize with our american listeners because i've been paying for insurance for junior for like the last seven years and i cannot claim anything <laughs> like no. nothing nothing is covered like i don't know what i've been paying for like essentially i think he has to be shot by an assassin in the most unlikely circumstances for me to cash in because like every other routine thing he's had to get done which is all very common for a dog of his age none of it is covered oh yeah our exceptions to this policy are anything that might happen to a dog yeah like, if your if your dog gets injured riding a motorbike to parliament house to deliver the opening address of australia becoming a republic well then, then you relax <laughs> then everyone relax because we have got you sorted but if your dog has anything that a dog might just naturally get from being a dog then that is an mm. exemption from our insurance policy <laughs> So uh, he needed to get that done. He needed to get his teeth cleaned and then he's going to get an x-ray on his back. So, because um, we've noticed he has been slowing down a bit. Like he's a Jack Russell. They're very high energy dogs, but now it's much slower to get up in the morning. And when we've been taking him on the walks, he's just sort of been shuffling a bit more. It's it's kind of like a bit like someone I know where the hips seem to stiffen up a bit and like going uphill and stuff. Just a, a bit of a shuffle. I was like, oh, I recognize that. We should do a podcast together, me and you. <laughs> Well, weirdly enough, you know, as you said, Charlie, I do have those things, but I myself haven't gone in for the surgery, despite the fact that I do have health insurance that would actually probably cover that. In fact, when my yeah. dog when my dog needs surgery, I probably should just go in and get it. I'm covered. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, as long as you're riding a motorbike to Parliament House to deliver the opening address for Australia becoming a republic, you'll be fine. Well, when I go in for my hip operation, I should actually just sling the anaesthetist another 50 and say, can you put the dog under as well? And we'll get a twofer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, while Junior was under, they did the x-ray and, and they found that, and this is bizarre because I've been listening to a lot of um, podcasts lately uh, and I listened to uh, one with Diamond Dallas Page. He was on Joe Rogan's show. Diamond Dallas Page used to be a wrestler in the WCW and has now reinvented himself as this personal trainer, fitness guru with his own uh, specific brand of yoga. It's called DDPY. So he's had a couple of like big sort of viral sensations with people that he's helped rehabilitate, like ex-servicemen and stuff who have been borderline cripple. And then they do his yoga program and blah, blah, blah. So it was a really interesting interview. But he talked about how years of being a wrestler, he went to see a doctor at the age of 42 and they said that he'd compressed his spine so much with all that high impact activity that basically the jelly between your vertebrae he completely squashed worn down and now it was just bone on bone so they said to him you'll have to fuse your back together if you want to like you know be able to kind of walk as an old man or whatever so the whole point of him telling this story was that he didn't get the surgery he just instead have invested heavily in yoga and sort of like trying to treat it himself and now he's 63 years old and he's got full mobility and all this kind of stuff very inspirational story but that is the exact diagnosis that Junior had. <laughs> like the, the vet said to me, you know, he's lost all the... And I was like, wait, wait. As far as I know, Junior is not a wrestler. <laughs> like, I do not remember him in the WCW invasion storyline from 2001. Well, I guess this is the... 
the point, isn't it, that like Junior now has to develop his own sort of, you know, dog yoga. You know, I, I know they already have Doga, but, you know, you could have like, much like Diamond Dallas Page's yoga is a take on traditional yoga, but for people who don't want to om and, you know, salute yeah. the sun and stuff like that, they want to kind of do like the CrossFit version of yoga. Um, mm. That's what you need to do with Junior. You need to put together yeah. a yoga program with Junior, like for rehab for, I mean, because here's the thing that I've learned from when your pet's sick, Charlie. And, mm. and we've just talked about is people will pay outrageous amounts of money for any hope of treatment that might make it better. And you've identified yeah. a market here, right? Insurance yep. doesn't cover any of these major operations. So suddenly, you know, you take your dog in and they say, hey, it's going to cost you $25,000 to get this hip operation done. And then suddenly you're just out the front handing out cards going, or I might have or. another solution for you. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an app that you can download. DDJ. Yeah. Diamond Dallas Jr. <laughs> I should get, and I should style Jr. like Diamond Dallas Page looks because he's got that peroxide blonde perm, diamond earring. He's got the DDP sign that he holds up. Like, I've got to give Jr. like a cool little thing that you can do with paws, like some kind of DDJY. What would that look like if you had paws? I don't know. Maybe his tail. Maybe he can just bend his tail into like a J shape. Well, I mean, you know, there is literally a yoga move called the downward dog. So maybe you do a twist on that, like in, in oh, dog yeah. yoga that you have like the downward human or whatever. Yeah. D-D-Y, downward yeah. dog yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who can teach you to do a downward dog better than an actual dog? <laughs> but what you were saying before about um, the kind of emotional thing of, you know, people, it's easy to take advantage of people because, uh, you know, you, you want to help. That's, we got such a, we got such a lesson of that when we brought him home, because like I said, he's never had any major surgery. And so when we got him back, he was pretty doped up and on painkillers and stuff. But when the painkillers wore off, he was so distressed, like he was in so much pain and he was so miserable and was whining. And so we didn't go to bed on Friday night. We just stayed up and did shifts and stuff and stayed with him. And because he's got, he basically had three lumps removed, one under his armpit, one off his that's thigh and one right near his groin. So he's pretty banged up and you have to keep an eye on them because you don't want them moving around or whatever. So all of Junior's places around the house are all like on couches or he's got little mats and stuff, but they're all like elevated. So his natural instinct is to kind of want to jump up on things. So we sort of had to like stay awake to look after him and make sure that he wasn't going to jump up. But also he was just so upset and you know, that puppy dog eye thing that you haven't seen for years, like the way he was looking at you. And I was like, holy shit, like, you know, I've lost family members and I've been through this with a family member, but at least with a family member, they can communicate to you what's going on and you can reassure them that, you know, things are going to be okay. But you just get that a sudden like helplessness with a dog or with a pet because you're like, you have no idea what's just going on. I just dropped you off at this fucking place. You went for a ride in the magic box, which is your favorite thing because you just get in the magic box and then suddenly we're at the park or at the beach. You love getting in the magic box. But this time I put you in the magic box and handed you over to a bunch of fucking savages who put things over your face and sliced you with knives and then woke you up and you were missing hair off your back leg and you're fucking stoned. You don't know where you are. And, you know, like he was pretty fucked up and it was just like we felt so much guilt like suddenly just like do we do this for us like was this i mean 
it was an elective surgery. We were told that, you know, the fat can give him some discomfort and stuff and we're worried about his back. But maybe it was better the way it was. He seemed happy the way it was. It was just, it was a full-on kind of like Friday night. Well, he must feel like he's been abducted by an alien. Like, you know, yeah. he's got all this, the symptoms of alien abduct, abduction. Like, you know, he's woken mm. up groggy. You know, he's got patches of his fur missing. He's clearly been yep. operated on it and he doesn't know what has happened. He doesn't have any memory of any of it. Well, yeah. Winnie is very naturally suspicious of the vet. She had a bad experience at the vet early on and now anytime she goes into any vet, she knows that this is a place where no good things happen and it doesn't have to be the same vet. Like I took her to a new vet down here in Melbourne recently and she just knows yeah. that it's a vet and suddenly is just like not into it all. And I'm like, you know what? That's smart. You're actually yeah. you're actually good on good you instincts. for yeah, recognizing that this is a place that mostly, even though I'm normally bringing you here to get something fixed, in the short term, it must seem like a terrible place. You struck up on something that's very interesting, Will. Like it is like being abducted. So what if when humans get abducted or they report being abducted, that's what's happening? What if we are just some like galactic beings pets and occasionally like we think we're we're running this shit this is our world we know what's going on but then all of a sudden you drive out into that cornfield or whatever and bang or you're on a highway and then you wake up and someone's been inside your anus (laughs) well technically that was literally what happened in winnie's case because it was the (laughs) anus that was giving us trouble so she had actually been probed (laughs) yeah Oh, yeah, no, they do. And most often when you go to the vet, they'll put a thermometer up there as well. So, yeah. like, Junior's been looking me in the eye while he's had the thermometer put up there. And it's not a good look. Like, he's not, he's giving me the weird side eye, which is like, I'll remember this. Like, I've got lots of places to piss and shit in your house. So, I'll remember this. Um, I, uh, when we were th- uh, talking about this, it reminded me of the song Pets by Jane's Addiction. Um, so I Googled, uh, the lyrics of, um, mm. uh, pets by Jane's addiction and I'm going to read them to you, Charlie. Okay. Uh, uh, pets. Can you do it in Perry Farrell's voice? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. Uh, ch- children are innocent. A teenager's fucked up in the head. Adults are even more fucked up. And elderlies are like children. <laughs> now it hasn't started. <laughs> this sounds like a 17-year-old stoned striking upon some mind-blowing fact. Hey, man, you like never a, believe it. Yeah. <laughs> children are innocent. A teenager is fucked up in the head. Adults are even more fucked up. And elderlies are like children. Whoa, dude, did you just think of that yourself? What? Did I think of what myself? Let's have another bong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Will there be another race to come along and take over for us? Maybe Martians could do better than we've done. We all make great pets. My friend says we're like the dinosaurs only we're doing ourselves in much faster than they ever did. We'll make great pets. So, Charlie, you and uh, Perry Farrell on the same page. Always thought so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why, why would we be kept? I guess it, 
It would be like this is what is it you call it? Like a topiary, right? That's where you keep like turtles and reptiles. Top, top topiary, topi, topiary. Am I using that word correctly? I feel like I'm not. Um, Michael, can you Google topi, topiary? Is that where you keep pets or like reptiles? I thought it was like a topiary. Was like I thought it was something you put on your hat. I. Uh, <laughs> Um, Dave Anthony, who uh, is our great oh, We have a definition. Oh, Hang on. Topiary. On. The art of practice of clipping shrubs or trees into ornamental <laughs> shapes. Okay. So neither of us were right. But we well, could you, be... A co- you could clip your tree into some sort of shape and then put it on your hat. Well, what do you call a place where you keep your pets? Like a fishbowl, like a snake pit. We're, we're a cosmic snake pit. That would make sense. Um... I'm I'm tr- I'm looking at Dave Anthony's uh, Twitter because um, it, it turns out that Dave has a lot of opinions about the world and I enjoy them uh, and I you know enjoy his you know bleak and blunt attitude towards <laughs> the world uh, but he put he posted something about um, uh, Amazon uh, the other day and mm-hmm. I thought it would be much easier to find than it is but it turns out that um, uh, Dave tweets a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Dave tweets a yeah. lot about issues, yeah. so it's not. I always feel this. like with with when I read one of Dave's tweets, like someone like a, an Obama or some sort of left wing icon will come up with a statement or say something, and I'm like, oh yeah, good statement. And then I'm pretty sure I'll see Dave <laughs> retweet that same comment <laughs> and bring up some like misdemeanor or some kind of policy letdown of the past that will make me go, oh, oh, I can't like him either. Like, I've yet to see, like, Dave's just the master of the one-line cut-down of a left-wing figure who's let him down. Um, basically, yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know what, it seems like that guy wasn't wasn't actually a monster. And then yeah. Dave links it to an article that goes, this guy was history's greatest monster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, though. I like that. Um I'm trying to find this uh, Amazon thing. I might just have to Google it rather than go down Dave's page because every time I flick to another thing, there's just something that's really depressing about the world on his page. Um, But essentially, the gist of the story was um, that Amazon um, Mm. has these new robots. And I guess it's the robots that all keep Uh, us Was this the one about the cage? Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So you have to keep... So essentially, it's a robot that just has a human in a cage on top of it. I mean, come on. <laughs> we'll make great pets. Yeah, what will we that keep I... that area, that cage that we're in? Is it topiary? <laughs> Is it going to be called a topiary where they keep us? <laughs> we would make great pets, though, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, if, if, that's, if that AI uprising happens and they have to determine with their supercomputer brains what is the purpose of having these meat bags around, like we do everything so much more efficiently, we operate purely on logic, why do we need them around? It is for pets. I mean, why do we need pets? What's, what, what function does my, my dog give me apart from, like, you know, affection and amusement? Well, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and some I, mean sense- I, could, I could pretend to love a computer. Like, if my life was on the line, it's like, you, you, you either die or you have to become your fridge's pet. I'm like, I'll fucking I'll kneel at the fridge. All hail fridge. I'll lick my own balls in front of that fridge if I have to. Whatever to keep me alive. <laughs> Do you think that's how our pets are looking at us? Are they not oh, happy yeah. to be 
uh, you know, us, do you feel like when they like when Winnie and Ramona come and lay on me on the couch and cuddle me, like that instead of what I'm getting from that, which is like, oh look, look how much they love me, and you know they like to you know sleep near me, and you know this is you know we're a family, and they understand that I look after them, and you know they're showing love in return. But maybe it's just like I'll fucking do anything to survive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, he, if he needs to feel this, then I'll do it. I'm not enjoying oh, it, but I'll pretend. <laughs> Uh, I definitely reckon, yeah, Junior does that. Like, Junior is a smart dog. He, He's like the little finger of our house. Like, he plays Gemma and I off each other beautifully. He makes time. Like, if we're working in the same room or watching TV on separate couches or whatever, he makes sure to spend enough time with each of us. Like, there's always an equal dispersion of love. It's kind of a bit like Archie with Betty and Veronica. You know how, like, they were both vying for his affection, and he kind of, like... Maybe not consciously, but just through being Archie, managed to keep them both on the line. You know, wasn't really cruel about it or as manipulative as Littlefinger. But, like, just had that ability. I don't know. It was just kind of like the object of affection. That, that's Junior. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, Archie, Archie's a better one than Littlefinger. Because if it was Littlefinger, essentially, you know, he'd be trying to turn Gemma and you against each other. And then eventually <laughs> get one of you murdered so he could assume his rightful position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, sometimes... Sometimes I do wonder, like I have sort of got home late and Jem and Junior will be in bed and he'll be in my position on the bed under the covers, head on the pillow. And when I walk in, the look is like, you, you again? What are you? Oh, oh I thought, I thought what this was settled. get the picture, idiot? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing that he keeps coming around. Do they have favourites? Do they favour you or, or Amy? Or do they, is it like they both like one or they both like another? Or I would say technically that um, it, it's in reverse to the ownership. So and like technically, right. even though Amy and I, you know, obviously, you know, they're both our pets. And, you know, mm. as Amy always says, if she left, neither of them would be my pets. So, you know. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> She's taking the kids? She's taking the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I technically, I would say that Winnie, you know, who is my dog, um, has loves her mum more than she loves me. And um, Ramona, who is Amy's dog, is a real daddy's girl. She, yeah, she, she, and she can be. She's definitely like if Amy's been away or whatever. Like she's been a bit for work recently. When she comes yeah. home, Ramona definitely Do gives her a bit of a cold shoulder. And like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, right. Like. Amy so will make her food. Like Ramona did this the other night. This is a good example. Amy made her dinner. And so uh, after dinner, she'll come in and say thank you. Like she'll, you know, mm. you know, yeah, just tap Have a cuddle or, or whatever. Or, you know, lick your ankle or whatever, say thank you for dinner. Um, and so Amy made her dinner and she walked straight past Amy and came over to the couch and thanked me. <laughs> and I was like, I did nothing. <laughs> I've been laying on this couch watching the footy. But I understand the psychology of it. It's like when you're the child of divorced parents, the parent that you're living with is a primary caregiver, you can kind of take for granted. Like they're always going to look after you because they kind of, they're duty bound. But the other parent, they're the one that, you know, they're going to, they're going to spoil you and stuff. So you just, you just work harder on being like nicer to them, have a better relationship with them because you got one in the pocket. Well, I, I think too that it's so funny that, because I think it's mostly us putting these things on the dogs, Right. The dogs are yeah. dogs. They're pretty simple. You know, they like to eat and, you know, you can tell them what to do if you're good enough at doing that. We're not, but apparently people can. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and 
you know, that we put all these other, you know, emotions and whatever on top of them, I think probably most likely. But it's hard not to, you know, hang on. So are you saying your dog doesn't come in and thank you for dinner each night? That <laughs> maybe it's just an instinctive reaction that you're interpreting as something more complex than it is? I mean, well, I didn't say anything while you're telling me that crazy story, Will. Well, I mean, yeah, like, but you, that's a great example, right? We yeah. interpret it as being thank you because she does it after mm. dinner, but it could be give us some more food, you fucker. Like, <laughs> it's a hundred percent that she's coming in and licking your ankle because she's like, I'm still hungry. I wonder if I took a bite out of this thing, if I could bring it down. Like, you know, let's be honest. I mean, we talk about that all the time. If yeah, and I both do you think the licking of the ankle is like like mobs tasting go, go around to somebody's house and be like, gee, you got a got a nice. <laughs> Pretty nice ankle here, mate. I'd be pity if anything happened to that uh, delicious, juicy, exposed ankle. I think it's more the kiss of death. It's like the mob boss who like gives you the mwah, mwah, the old Sicilian kiss because it's right. like you're dead. She goes up, gives you an ankle lick. It's like you realize if you have a heart attack and Amy doesn't come home for like four or five hours, I'm going to give it a crack. <laughs> I'm going to try and eat as much of you as I can. I mean, if I have a heart attack and then I'm eaten by my dogs, that, that, there's worse ways to go. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't think I would mind it. I mean, Jim and I have the discussion fairly often about if we both died in the apartment, who does he eat first? Yeah, there's been this dog in our neighbourhood uh, barking in a way that feels like either the owners have gone away and left it at home, like it's it's been happening for like a week, week and a half, and then Amy, of course, she she's been walking around the neighbourhood trying to work out exactly where it is, <laughs> and of um, <laughs> maybe like you know we could leave a note or something. But um, it's she did float the possibility today. She goes, "What if the you know the owner has died?" Which I guess is it is yeah. kind of possible that that could have been what has happened. Which is a much grislier way for that That's story a, to end. It's a great opening for a film, though. You've just like given me an idea. What a fucking fantastic opening! <laughs> like starts off just like a girl doing the right thing. She finds this dog, and then you go into the house, and there it is. I don't yeah. know what you find. Someone there it is. Eaten by, the by thing rats. that we're not going to give away on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the corpse. The end. It's yeah. not, I mean, it's a short <laughs> film. But yeah. it's a comedy. It's an Australian comedy. When I said you've given me an idea for a film, what I meant is you've given me an idea for the first bit of a film. Could you please yeah. give me some more ideas for the rest yeah. of the film? Uh, speaking of films, we should talk about uh, an Aussie film that's just come out that needs some support that is uh, uh, made by a friend of yours, Damien Callan and The Merger. Uh, I went to the premiere, the Sydney premiere last week. Have you seen it? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I, I wish that I had seen it because it sounds right up my alley, but you're going to have to be our correspondent. Damo, of course, uh, did my philosophy podcast. They came back for one episode and did one with Damien. So if people haven't heard it, you can check that out. But um, yeah, I encourage people to go out and see the merger. Um, you know, this it's out now. Uh, and, you know, obviously the more people who see it early, the more chance it has of being on, you know, more screens and getting a bit of momentum. So Charlie, what did you think? I really liked it. It's uh it's, it's a film that I've heard people sort of talk about it like the castle. And I think that that's a good, I think it's a good comparison for the point of view of, it feels so familiar. Like I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Pete Hellier or, or Tom Gleason said that if you've ever gone to country or suburban footy, you will recognize this film. Like it just, it just feels so real. Um, and it's great. It's really good. And I mean, it's an AFL, it's an AFL film. 
Like that is, you know, he's an ex-AFL player who's coaching a team, a, a ragtag bunch of misfits, if you will. And everyone who listens to this show knows how we like stories about ragtag bunch of misfits. Um, but it's just great. It's just really, it's, it's, it's a great message. It's really well acted and it's really funny. I didn't see his one-man show, did you? I didn't see the one-man show that it was based on, but I think I saw the first one-man show where this character uh, appeared. Because I see demo shows mm. whenever I can at the festival. Not always possible with clashes of times and stuff, but I've always been a really big fan of his work. And I remember seeing, you know, uh, the first time this character, because this is a character that's been in three or four of his shows, and um, right. uh, the first time the character appeared, I, I reckon I saw that show. And even back then, yeah, it was just that thing of going, if you've ever been to a country football club, like I went home to my country football club recently and you were just like, yeah, people are mm. still... Still the same. Um, we went to see Queens of the Stone Age uh, last night and uh, mm. I went with my brother and a couple of his friends, you know, who are from his footy days. And uh, so one of them was coming over to the house and his nickname is Doggy. And um, <laughs> he's a really tall guy, Doggy. And um, uh, he's like six foot nine or something. And uh, so Amy was asking, um, you know, why is he called Doggy? And uh, the reason that he's called Doggy is when they were all 15... Um, they were at the footy and there was a hot dog stand and he grabbed the hot dog buns and then uh, unzipped his trousers and turned around and was like, hey, anyone want a hot dog? He now works at the barbecue at Bunnings and <laughs> <laughs> that nickname has stuck with him for his entire life and he is now like, you know, an adult with a family and like I'm sure would love to move on and certainly not be meeting new people who've just heard the story of why he's called Doggy. I mean, it is one of those things, there's a guy at my high school whose nickname was Hoover uh, for similar reasons. Apparently when he was about 15, he was vacuuming his house in front of his brother and to make his brother laugh, he put his dick in the vacuum and his brother then went to school and told everyone. And this kid became Hoover in an instant to the point where like I've seen him every now and then and it's like I have to fight the urge to call him Hoover I mean it got to a point where it just became a harmless name like he kind of accepted it everyone accepted it and you sort of forgot the origins of it but then like as an adult you're like I can't call you Hoover in front of presumably your wife or your girlfriend because maybe she doesn't know the story I mean I imagine that she probably does if everybody called him Hoover, at some stage it's come up, right? But yeah, it's an awkward conversation. How do you bring that? Up? What, what what date do you bring that up? Like, I guess in the era of Facebook, she's going to see someone call him Hoover pretty quickly. So you just you'd lay it on Front Street first date, right? Hey, well, guess what? <laughs> I reckon. I reckon <laughs> well, maybe that's too you, early. I reckon that is too early to bring it up. Maybe you said it, you, the circumstances have got to be right, so it doesn't just come out of nowhere. So maybe you arrange to go shopping. Like you go to a, sh a shopping center and as you're walking past like the vacuum store, <laughs> you can be like, funny story. Yeah, well, you do it in public so they, they can't make a scene, isn't that? They, they always say you break up with someone in public so they can't make a scene. Um, or maybe it's just like you're at home one morning, you know, post-coital early in the relationship. Yeah, mm -hmm. you flick on Studio 10, you know, Jonathan Coleman's doing some sort of, you know, demonstration with the bowling ball and you go, you know, I have a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> or, it really is a maybe time you bomb. bring it up as like a feminist statement. You say, you know, it says here that you know um, men aren't doing their fair share of housework, you know, around the home, and you know, sharing domestic duties. And um, I personally have had uh, 
a long experience with vacuum cleaners. In fact, my nickname <laughs> is Hoover. Here's a funny story. <laughs> yeah. See, that's a thing. No matter how like good the lead up is, no matter how honourable the intentions, it always has to have. And here's a funny story. And you know what's yeah. funny? You've you've got to do that slight little right turn <laughs> to get into the. I was filleted by a machine. Yeah, my brother was there. Does that make it weirder? <laughs> All right, well, time for some Tafopa spondents. Oh, can I just uh, quickly tell you, um, oh, uh, yes. just before we get into it, um, so we went to Queens of the Stone Age last night. It was at Mel- Margaret Court Arena, and, um, which is the, the tennis centre in Melbourne. And um, hmm. very strict. Might have heard of Margaret Court in the last couple of years. <laughs> Might have heard of Margaret Court for her, uh, turns out, homophobic opinions. Uh, she's an old lady. She's very religious. She was a great tennis player. She's, you know... Very um, conservative. Very, very. Yeah. Uh, often offensively conservative, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but she's good at playing tennis and the stadium's named after her. And uh, that is still under debate in some quarters. Um, but anyway, that's where we went. And uh, everybody had general admission tickets apart from me. I had seated tickets. But that was fun. I, I, like I was, you know, I was like, go down, have a good time. I'll, I'm happy to go. I'll sit in the crowd, whatever. Um and so, anyway, three songs in, in one of the most rock and roll things that you just don't see anymore, uh, Josh Homme has just demanded that everybody who's up in the seats, if they want to come down onto the general admission, onto the dance floor, that the security guards let them down. And he's just like, if you want to yeah, come down, come down. And so suddenly, like, we stood up and, like, a whole bunch of us, like, started walking down. And around the stadium... Like, some of the security guards straight away were like, well, I guess he's the boss. He's the one who's going to have to pay the fine or whatever. We'll get out of the way. Everywhere except for the stairway that would have taken me down to general admission. So now, like, all these people have spewed down onto the dance floor. And then there's just this one staircase where the security guards are like, nah, we're going to do our job and we're going to defend this to the death and we're not going to let people down onto the dance floor. And people were being... And th- they were just doing their job, these security guards. And I will say that people were being pretty respectful. They were like mm-hmm. they were going like Josh has told us that we can all come down, and everybody else is coming down. But at the same time, like no one was trying to push through them or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then a couple of people started jumping over the staircase, which is dangerous. There's a couple of you know stories you shouldn't have been doing that. And so now I'm just jammed there with a whole bunch of other people on this one staircase, and they won't let us down, but everybody else has been let down. And then. Like, so now Josh Homme has essentially is just pointing us out and, like, ye- like yelling to the security guys, now let him down, let him down, let him down. And then the whole audience starts chanting, let them down, let them down. And oh eventually, God. in the worst case of peer pressure of all time, like, these poor security guards had to step aside and let us down. And it was... So old school rock and roll. Like it was against every occupational health and safety thing. But the thing yeah. about it was, it was great. No one misbehaved. Everyone had a good time. It didn't, yeah. it didn't jam out the, you know, it wasn't like everybody went down anyway. Like just, a, you know, a bunch of people who wanted to did. So it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was so much fun. Learned nothing from last year. You're still breaking the law, Will Anderson. <laughs> what wow. is it? Is this, oh, this is your show for next year? <laughs> I mean, hey, I was obeying all. I was, I was only 
if they were going to let us down, I was going to, but I wasn't demanding to be let down. I was just part <laughs> of a popular movement, Charlie. I got swept yeah, up yeah. in a popular movement. Yeah, it was a peaceful. It was, it was a peaceful demonstration. You weren't going to rush the barricade. You're more like crossing the bridge. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do something that's not in the spirit of what he's requesting. What he's in the requesting is we all come down and love each other and have a good time. You know. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's not. not like, he's, he, kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> Drink from their blood. The ones in yellow with the headphones. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> All right, time for some Tafopa spondents. Uh, Michael, if you want to, uh, if you want to come up with a sting, a little uh, Tafopa spondent sting, we'll be okay with that. Something like ba 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 ba. <laughs> no, show our hands on that one. No. All right, what about ba da 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 da? No. All right, I'm sure you can come up with something, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Correct. <laughs> You're the boss, mate. Ba 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 ba. Ba da 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 da. Okay, this uh, first email is from Shane Harmon. He says, uh, "Hey, Will and Charlie, I'm loving the fax saga. Charlie, it's dead simple. The fax uses the existing landline. No need for a special dedicated fax number. Of course, you'll still have to get a landline. Then just connect your fax and let us know the number." This is reminding of me when I purchased a fax at a second-hand auction, only to find that the ink cartridges that the fax took had been discontinued. So sadly, I was unable to receive faxes. But at least I could still send faxes. But the fax finally died in 2004, and after a good amount of use, uh, and back before, online and mobile apps took over the planet. Thanks again for the great pleasure of listening to two pals having a chat. It makes the long hours driving across New South Wales as a sales rep much more bearable. Cheers, Shane. Now, we have... An update on everyone read facts. Just to fill people in, um, we were like, we're going to use some of the Patreon money to buy our own fax machine and we're going to receive faxes. Um, then I looked into it and to get that done at my place or even the office I'm working at, it just it's too, in, you've got to take down your phone line. They've got to redo everything. It takes four days. Don't have time for that shit. But, Will, I came up with a cunning plan. There's a news agent near me that has a fax machine <laughs> and after two weeks of negotiation i'm proud to announce that tofop has a fax machine now are you kidding me I, i'm not kidding now i i understand that the point of this is people wanted us to waste money on buying our own fax machine and we looked into that it doesn't seem feasible but here is how we'll lose money on this the woman told me that they wouldn't receive faxes. They will only send faxes. So then I said, how about I pay you a retainer and each month <laughs> you receive some faxes for us. And she seemed okay with that. So you and I how, will discuss the, the, the dollar figure. How, how did you just talk me through how this went down and leave out no details? <laughs> well, so I'm working out of an office. I've uh, hired myself an office space uh, uh, down the road. And so I've been working from there. And so I was chatting to the woman who runs the office and I was like, hey, uh, do you guys have a fax machine? <laughs> Would you have any issue if I like, had a fax machine connected up? And she said, we'll look into it. And so, and so I looked into it, but it was the same issue I had with connecting a fax at home is that you just have to shut down and reconnect. And it's just a pain. You can't do that at a place of business. Um, but she said to me, you know what? Like she's gone, the post offices still send faxes. You should go 
chat to the post office. And I was like, ah, that's fucking too fucking far away. But then I realized there was a news agent down the road. And I was like, they have fax machines, I'm pretty sure. I think I've seen they've got a sign. So I went in and uh, sweet talked the lady who works there. Um, just explained that I need access to a fax machine, mainly to receive, not to send. And she wasn't into it. She shut me down the first time. She said, no, no, we just send faxes. You know, we don't receive, don't even know what to charge for receive. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I didn't press it. And then a couple of days later, I went back and was like, hey, it's me again. Do you remember I came and told about the fat? How about we pay you a retainer? We hire your machine, a monthly retainer. And that way, like, you don't have to worry about, you know, printing ink, buying ink or whatever. You'll always have that money in the bank. So she said, cool, cool. So she's giving me the fax number. Now, should I announce it here or should we do like a, like an online? Should we do it, put it on the website? I mean, I think we announce it here firstly because I think we yeah. want to put a proviso around the nature Content? of the... Yes, correct. I think that if we're sending yes. a fax to a random third party who isn't uh, a participant in this podcast, that we just have to be, you know, um, careful. Yes, no dicks. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Basically, Mike Hell just put up a message that said the no dicks proviso. And I think that's a very... If we could have a... Sydney Swans have a no dickheads policy. If we could have a no dicks on our fax policy, I think that would be a very positive thing for the podcast. Yeah, generally no hate speech. Yes. Uh, nothing no, nothing that is going to get us red flagged. Just a, like all the correspondence we get normally, like I'd say 99.9% of it is, is free of that, that kind of content. But... Don't abuse this. Look, I've worked hard on this. I've been at the negotiating table. I've finally got someone to agree. So, you know, let's just, let's play it cool here, okay? Yeah. In fact, if anything, if you want to, like, in the first paragraph, you know, thank the person for providing the service, then, <laughs> yeah. if, you know, if the news agent ever does, like, you know, put a stray eye over the content, they'll just, they'll be reminded that A, they're doing a public service and B, that they probably shouldn't be reading our private faxes. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we just keep it as we've already uh, outlined that it's hey tofop in the subject line. Um, uh, 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 what was the other two or is it tofop two colon fop? Hey tofop. Hey Will and Charlie. Here's a tantalising tofop tidbit or something. Whatever the form is. I just told her that everything that comes through will have tofop in this in the subject line. That's all she needs to look out for. So <clears throat> the number redacted. Hey, Tofop in the subject line. So let's see how this goes. <laughs> let's see if we can get this segment started. I, now, I just imagine you wandering in in three months and you've been in every week and not one single fax has ever come through for us. <laughs> I know, and this poor woman is just staring at you like, who is this guy? Why did he think people were going to fax him? I don't understand. And she feels she she feels so bad. She starts sending me faxes. Like I find out that they're all coming from her. She plays a whole host of different characters. All right. Some more to pop respondents from James. James Cobb. Dear Will and Charlie, just listened to episode 208 and your conversation about phone numbers reminded me of a funny incident that happened to me a number of years ago that confirms that phone numbers are indeed reassigned once disconnected, although not necessarily to the same house. My wife and I moved back to Australia in 2008 after several years in the UK. I opened a chiropractic clinic in Newcastle and we rented a house and were assigned our home number by Optus. Several months later, on a Saturday morning, I got a phone call from a very drunken Irishman asking, and I'll do the accent. 
badly. Can I speak to, uh, and as he says, insert stereotypical Irish name here. So, can I speak to Paddy O'Malley? <laughs> I was immediately curious because I had just had an Irishman in by that name. He'd come into my chiropractic office the week before. Thinking there couldn't be too many Irishmen by the name Paddy O'Malley in Newcastle, I got chatting to the drunk bloke in Ireland, and it turns out that uh, Paddy O'Malley uh, was the drunk. The, the Paddy O'Malley the drunk was looking for was the same Paddy O'Malley that came into my office. They were in fact one and the same person. His mates back home would occasionally go out on the piss and then come home late at night and call Paddy O'Malley for a chat. They hadn't done so for a while, and my new number was the most recent one they had. The next week, when Paddy O'Malley came in for a visit. I told him about the call. We worked out that, although he'd never lived in the house that we were now renting, he'd lived a few streets away, and therefore within reach of the same phone exchange, and that he'd moved house not long before we moved, out of our rent, moved into our rental. He also told me the bloke who had called uh, was in the Garda, which is the Irish police, and was, quote, probably coked off his head. <laughs> anyway, I love the show and two guys, one cup. Keep up the great work. Good luck getting the facts to work. I hope Will brings his new show to Newcastle sometime soon. Regards, James. That's well, a great story. There you go. That's and my lesson out of that is don't fuck with the Irish police. <laughs> Amelia Riot writes in, Hey, Will and Charlie. I recently had a pretty interesting get-together with some old friends, and let's just say things got weird. I will start by saying we were pretty stoned and we were sitting around chatting when one guy said, someone put on a beat. He then proceeds to do a freestyle rap about Australia in which he references a pet koala he has named Samidia that has chlamydia. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> this is a bit like the lyrics to uh, Jane's Addiction. It was fucking what, what amazing. What I love about that the most is though, there is no way anyone would have a pet koala called Samidia. And less the sole purpose was to rival with chlamydia. <laughs> it was fucking amazing, but not in a good way. Best part of the story is that he looks just like a 20-year-old Will. It got me thinking, what would a Topop rap collective look and sound like? Please see the photo for likeness. So I'll just bring up the photo. I'll hold it up. Do you think that looks like a 20-year-old you? Well, that doesn't look like what I looked like when I was 20. But if, yeah. like, is it a younger version of how I look now. Yes. Okay. I'll go with that for sure. It's the hair. Basically yeah. he has your hair. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's a Tofop rap collective? Well, um, what would it be? Uh, it would be. We, we, well, okay. First of all, would it just be you and me or would we have be like a D12 or a Wu-Tang? Like, can we bring in like Dave and a few other Tofop people? Yeah, I think oh, we so. Should definitely. We should definitely bring in Gareth because he's so quick. He could be like the freestyler in the group because, you know, he's so fast and he can do accents and he's funny. He can be like the freestyler of the group. I'm obviously the guy who drops the beats. And I'm the one whose mum's got a van. Like... <laughs> I'm really only in the group because I had access to a van. That's what I am. Um, yeah, I think a collective, a loose collective, like the Wu Tang Clan or like uh, like D12. I think that's a that's a good example, right? So we're kind of you know the two who just keep it on the road, but then we sort of bring in more talented people, and people enjoy it more when that happens. <laughs> Bob Kendall get, uh, gets in touch by saying, 
Or maybe hey guys, we're like the Neptunes. Do you know what I mean? Like we're the producers. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, producers. In the studio, yeah. you know, it's just the two of us. But once we take it out live, you know, we bring in a lot of guest artists to MCs. beef up the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. People are actually good at what they do. Two guys staring at computers. We're the chemical brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take the podcast thing, it would be you and I on our laptops on Wikipedia feeding information to like Gareth and Dave, who are much better at actually doing a show. Right. That's what it would be, the Dopeop Collective. It's basically the dollop where we and I are like doing live, you and I are doing, we and I, you and I are doing live research. Uh, Bob Kendall gets in touch. Hey, Charlie, uh, I saw you did a vlog about getting the robot for the Dopeop Live show last year. Would you ever consider doing more vlogs? Also, what did you think of the Aquaman trailer? All right. First I part. honestly thought that was like going to say, you did a vlog about the robot. Uh, would you consider doing more vlogs? And also, what is a vlog? Like, <laughs> I don't honestly, what I thought the last question was going to be. That was a question you asked yourself. Uh, yeah, I did a little vlog about um, the robot. We actually had another one that we shot that we still, I think it's in your phone still, because we, we broke the robot after the first show. And so we did a little vlog about us repairing it. And so, I mean, if I can get my hands on that footage, I could do another one. I mean, if that's I, something that people are interested in, that is something I could do. If people wanted some Tofop vlogs, the only issue is that Will and I are very rarely in the same place. So it's going to be a Charlie Clawson vlog. So I don't know if people want that. If you do want that, it's some things you want me to vlog about. Maybe I'll let you guys guide me. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that footage is because it was in my old phone that died and erased everything. So I'm hoping that I have it backed up somewhere, but I'm not 100% sure that I do, which is disappointing <laughs> because we had some very good robot rebuilding video footage. <laughs> Jackie Toe uh, gets in contact. Hey, guys, I'm a kindergarten teacher from Birmingham, Alabama. Should I do the accent? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm a kindergarten teacher from Birmingham, Alabama. I found you guys, and I thought uh, through a chain of podcasts. The do- no, I'm not going to do it. This is offensive. I found you guys through a chain of podcasts. The Dollop, then Tofop. Here's my strange request. The librarian at our school is from England. We have a book called Giraffes Can't Dance, which in American, especially Southern, is said very different than English. So I'm assuming he says giraffes can't dance. And they say giraffes can't dance. So that got me thinking of what an Aust and this is in brackets S I S no not in brackets this is she actually misspelled she said I, I want to know what an Austrian accent would sound like reading that book so if you could just say giraffes can't dance uh, giraffes can't dance giraffes can't dance giraffes can't dance I would appreciate it how about this we'll fulfill both requests you say giraffe, giraffes can't dance. What do I? Giraffes can't dance in Australian, and I'll say it in Austrian. Okay. And that way she gets both, in case she didn't misspell it. Giraffes can't dance. Blood, get, uh, get, I was going to get my accent in. Blood, get to the chopper. Ah, come on, it's bullshit. Hey, you know the girl of my dreams? Consider the, the divorce. Ah, no, ah, get your ass to Mars. I've just got to get into it. Hang on. Uh, giraffes can't dance. <laughs> Ah, no, get out of here. Kohagen. Giraffes can't dance. I don't know. Does that sound vaguely Austrian? <laughs> if Will ever tours my side of the US, I'll be there. Thanks for the many, many laughs. You've had a couple of, you've got at least two tickets sold if you go to Newcastle or Alabama. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, the, the next two dates I'm adding to the tour. Townsville, Noosa, <laughs> Bendigo, Pakenham, Sydney Opera House, Alabama, and Newcastle. <laughs> I actually know a friend of mine is from Alabama, and she taught me there's like a butter 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 ba ra 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 sis boom ba regal regal war damn eagle kick him in the butt big blue. Hey, <laughs> like that's the college football cheerleader chant. I mean, I hope it is because otherwise <laughs> you just had a stroke. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, we should wrap it up. Um, you can go to tofop.com. We'll put the information for the fax machine on there, like we said. Uh, only nice faxes, please. Look, I'm sure once I develop a bit of a relationship with the news agent, she realizes this is a bit of a funny gig that, you know, we can maybe get a bit more ribald. Uh, yeah, but we can But just, just let's just, ease our way in. Yeah, exactly. Lady Gaga, her first music video was very conventional by pop music standards. And then she got to wear the meat dress. So let us just pretend to be normal at the start and then we can get tofoppy. Let's not uh, rock to up to a first date in the meat dress. Yeah, exactly. Go to tofop.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at CX Clawson. You can find Will on Twitter at Will underscore Anderson. Uh, yeah, and I have tours, as I mentioned, uh, comedy.com.au, City Opera House, uh, Pakenham, Bendigo, uh, Noosa, Townsville, Townsville. Um, that one went on sale a little bit later, the Townsville one, but it is on sale now, so um, some other dates to come at some stage. Yeah, and uh, what else do we have to promote? Oh, for anyone who listens to Two Guys, One Cup, or occasionally listens to Two Guys, One Cup, or you just really need a bit of Will and Charlie live action, we're doing a grand final, AFL grand final uh, post-show, the day after grand final in Melbourne at the European Beer Cafe with uh, Michael and Adam from Junk Time. Uh, so I believe tickets for that will go on sale tomorrow. Uh, listen to Junk Time AFL uh, which will be coming out uh, tonight or tomorrow morning, and they'll have more information. And when we do Two Guys, One Cup this week, we'll also let people know where they can get tickets. Don't know where just yet. Uh, and uh, my next-door neighbour, Phil, who I did a Willosophy episode with and uh, and we've talked about on the podcast before, who's finished his trek across Australia. So I recorded a uh, phone interview with him uh, to, to you know, kind of just reflect on him finishing it the day after he finished, and we're going to post that. Uh, up on Willosophy as well. So if people want to check that out and hear from Phil and his journey uh, walking uh, across Australia at age 73, I think he is, uh, then um, he's, he's such a legend, Phil. So uh, check that podcast out when it comes out. And I just realised that the very first thing I said on this podcast was that I've been having some bad luck this weekend and then ever, I, I didn't actually even get to the thing with Junior, that wasn't even the story I was going to tell. <laughs> the story I was going to tell was that I got an email saying that my credit card's been used in Pakistan. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.